Welcome back to another episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Seth Macy, and as always, we're thrilled to have you tuning in and hopefully getting value that you can apply out of these episodes. So if you have a minute to spare, you'd like to show more support for the show aside from just listening, because we're just grateful for that at the very least, you can give the show a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps the show increase in plays, which is good for us, and it helps the community by increasing the likelihood that they stumble across the podcast through the wonders of algorithms. Today's episode was one I was incredibly nervous and excited for, I'll be honest with you. We had on Vladimir Reese, the team photographer for Red Bull Racing's Formula One team. God damn. <laughs> Formula One racing is considered by many to be the pinnacle or the highest, most elite level of auto racing. There's actually a famous Ernest Hemingway quote, there are only three sports, bullfighting, motor racing, and mountaineering. The rest are merely games. And I think that speaks to the level of danger in this sport. Uh, it's an extremely exhilarating and dangerous sport. Cars reach speeds of 200 miles an hour. Crashes sometimes happen. We don't like to see those, but these drivers put their lives in the line every time they go out on the track. And it's just, there's something respectable about that. Now, many of you may be familiar with the sport. You may have seen the latest docudrama on Netflix called Drive to Survive, which I highly suggest you watch to get a glimpse into the world of F1. And it's quite likely you'll become a fan of the sport and want to tune in after watching that. It's funny, I, the only streaming uh, subscription I have, I don't have a Netflix subscription. I don't have a Disney subscription, at least not personally, but the only personal subscription I have is to F1 TV. That's how much I love Formula One. But I digress. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the sport of Formula One or F1 for short, I'll give you just a little brief synopsis here. So Formula One is probably one of the most popular sports in the world. Several races called Grand Prix are held all over the world. These races put together are called a Formula One season. The performance of the drivers and the teams of the cars. And I say cars because there's two drivers on each Team. So Red Bull Racing, for example, will have Max Verstappen and they have another driver, Sergio Perez, who you'll hear us reference throughout this episode. So at the end of the season, the FIA, which is the organization for F1, aggregates the points scored by um, drivers individually and by the sum of the team members' points. And they award two championships. One is the world champion to the uh, the driver who scored the most points and they'll award a constructor's championship to the team that scored the most points with their combined or summed driver's points. Hopefully that makes sense. The level of engineering to make these cars go faster and acquire more grip on the road, be more aerodynamic is astounding. The tenacity and mindset the drivers have combined with their extreme determination to win at any costs makes them anomalies of humanity. They're just born difference. It's an extremely exciting sport. Auto racing has been very close to me. Uh, my dad was a race car driver growing up. Uh, he actually won the Rolex 24 hours at Daytona. So I've been very familiar with the sport. I've been watching F1 since I was probably five or six years old. So I guess that gives you a little insight into why this episode was so special to me. A big thank you to Vladimir for coming on the podcast, giving us some insight into what goes on in the garages, in the paddock, in the pit lane, trackside. Very, very cool. I don't. I think this is the first sports photographer we've really had on and not a conventional sport at that. So 
Really hope you guys enjoy this. There's lots of great takeaways. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Vladimir, for coming on and uh, squeezing us in throughout your world travels. It's a crazy circuit with crazy time changes. He was so fortunate enough to be speaking to us from a hotel room in Tokyo right before the Japanese Grand Prix. Which I know because we're recording this after the race has happened, the actual episode is before the race happened and this intro is after, but we now know that Max Verstappen won the race and is mathematically world champion. And Sergio Perez, his teammate in the other car, finished second, a one-two finish for Red Bull Racing, Max Verstappen world champion. It's probably because Vladimir came on this show. Let's be honest. That's what made it. And with that, I give you today's episode. In Formula One, anything could happen, and it usually does. How are you able to keep it all together, bouncing from country to country? You were just in Singapore, you're in Tokyo now, you're rubbing your eyes. I don't know how you, uh, how you keep this schedule. Yeah, it's it's not easy, uh, especially like towards the end of the season, you know, when we we have uh, we have obviously the European gig that goes before the break, uh, summer break, and then after mm-hmm. the summer break for a few races, and then we go to Asia, and then we go to 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 America, you know, after that, and then uh, we finish up in in Middle East. So uh, yeah, it's difficult, uh, but I'm I'm quite fortunate that in between the races I just go home and can like uh, reset again. You know I don't need to do anything else. Right, so and home is Greece, correct? Home is between Greece and Germany, but I spent more time in Greece, yeah, for the last few years. So uh, um, yeah, it's um, yeah, this is where my home is now at the moment. Yeah, so but it's like physically you need to stay fit, you know, like uh, so. Uh, I exercise whenever I can, you know, I go for a run and stuff like that. But uh, with the jet legs, especially here in Japan, it's always like the, one of the worst ones, you know. So yeah. You have to, you have for your runs, do you run the track? I do. Yeah, I do as well. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I used, to, I used to do that to learn the tracks. Usually we, when we have like a new um, new track, uh, I do that because I want to learn the track and, and see the see the sports and stuff. Uh, but uh, Right. Yeah. Like and on it. those walks or runs, are you picking out where you're going to be when the race starts? Kind of, yeah. You're just focused on running. <clears throat> you know what? There's um, there's a lot of photographers who have like a like a like a plan in a, in in a head, and they just follow the plan uh, throughout the weekend. I'm like kind of uh, improvising all the time. Uh, mm. I would decide in the morning, depending on the on the on the weather, on the light, on the situation, on you know, uh, or what. Whatever I, I feel like I have to capture that day or what's important, right. I decide based on that. So uh, uh, I don't really have, I'm quite um, fluid in that sense. You know, uh, if, it, if it rains, I would stay in the garage or go out, you're depending, you know. Like I remember one, one session in China, I even stayed in the press room and I just said, fuck it, you know, like there's no point going out now. It's gray, flat, there's no fans, nothing. You know, I'll just do my edit from this previous session and then just go out tomorrow or something. They were right all having a, laugh, having a laugh with me, but I didn't feel like I missed anything. So yeah. that's good. That's good. Well, before we get into you know your time with uh, Red Bull Racing, you've been there sixteen years now. I think that's correct, um, or seventeen, sixteen, or seventeen. Close enough. I think um, it's sixteen season or something. Yeah, sixteen seasons. 
Cool, cool. Yeah. But first, why don't you tell us sort of how you got into photography? I mean, I know I've read your website and some of the articles on you and stuff like that. But just for a background, why don't you let listeners know sort of how you started in your photography journey and how you ended up uh, photographing, you know, for Red Bull Racing? So I I started uh, being interested in photography when I was like 12, 13, I think. My grandfather was a photographer, but I never met him. He he passed away when I was like one year old, so I can't I can't remember anything. But I mm. kind of uh, found his cameras and stuff and started to play with these with these cameras. And first, I wanted to become a cameraman, and I was mm-hmm. reading every book in the local library I could borrow, you know, about photography and moving images and stuff like that. Basically, finished all the books in the in the library. I, I realized I like like still photography more. You know, it was mm-hmm. more exciting for me like to get the whole story in one single picture. And uh, I was studying economics back then, and I said to my parents, "I just want to go and study photography." And they were like, oh, "Okay, are you sure?" And I was like, "Yeah, I like it," and, and so on. So I went to this photography school in Prague, and um, within like six months, they offered me a job in a daily newspaper. And and uh, the boss back then, he was just crazy you know like he was like i called him and they basically I, I went there like to to do uh how do you say uh like a trainee job mm-hmm. uh they asked us to do in the in the in the school and uh, uh so we had to call like certain places you know they were like uh photo labs and stuff like that and there was this newspaper and i thought uh, and i thought i'm gonna call this newspaper so i called him and he picked it up and he he was really like rude with me, you know. He was like, yeah, "Okay, come, come tomorrow morning, uh, nine o'clock. Don't be late, like this, and hang up, you know, like without saying anything." That's how I started, and this this boss offered me a job within like three months, and he was really like kind of uh, rude and uh, and very uh, direct and very, you know, it was he uh, he was quite complicated as a person, but it was such a good school for me, you know, to learn. Uh, and get into this uh, kind of business. And I stayed there for like two years. And then I moved up to a, a football magazine or a soccer magazine. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I, I moved, I got a, a job offer from Germany. So I moved to Germany after that. And then, uh, yeah, um, this is where I got into Formula One in Germany, basically. Yeah. And did Red Bull approach you to be their team photographer? How did that relationship come? So the whole story with Red Bull started uh, when I was in Germany. Uh, um, I used to work for Getty and uh, mm-hmm. my boss back then, he came to me and said, uh, do you want to do Formula One next next year? And I was like, no, not really. And he, he was like, okay, I'm going to send somebody else. So he sent somebody else and uh, like two, three races into the season, he came back to me again and he, and he was like, uh, next, next season, you're going to do Formula One. I was like, well, why? You know, I didn't have any interest in motorsports mm. whatsoever. whatsoever. Right. And uh, he goes like, "I think your style of shooting would be a, uh, would be really nice for our coverage in in Formula One." I was like, yeah, "Okay." So next season, I did Formula One. I started to work there. And it was the the first season. It was two thousand and five when Red Bull joined Formula One as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the beginning, Red Bull was working with other agency, and they were not really happy with the with the coverage and. Uh, they kind of started uh, to look around and asking um, on photographers and so on. And they used to have like a, a like an own magazine within the paddock that was printed every day, mm-hmm. uh, Red Bulletin magazine. And uh, they just went into the into the uh, magazine and asked the editor, and they said like, um, "Who's like 
nice creative photographer within the paddock. Do you know anybody? And they, I think they picked like two, three names and one of them was me. Mm -hmm. And uh, they started following my work. That's what I learned afterwards. I didn't know that uh, at the time. And they kind of approached me and then through Getty, they approached, like they approached Getty as well because obviously I was Getty stuff. And this is how it all came together. And uh, two years later, when we uh, started to work for them as an agency, I, I, I went freelance mm. and um, I moved to Greece and uh, I didn't really know what's going what's gonna to happen and so on. And uh, towards the, uh, like within one month, uh, they called me and they said, uh, do you want to work for us uh, in Brazil? Like it was the second, second last race of the season. I was like, yeah, of course. We'd like to have you in Brazil and in Abu Dhabi, like for the last race as well. I was like, yeah, sure. And that was the race where we won the first constructors in Brazil and mm -hmm. then first driver's championship in Abu Dhabi with uh, Sebastian. So, uh, mm. yeah, I was very, very fortunate to be there right in the right moment, you know, when all, um, all this took off and then just put me, uh, uh, they just took me on the, uh, aboard with them. And, uh, ever since I work, uh, directly for them, yeah. So cool. So when you're traveling, are you traveling directly with the team? How does the how does your travel work with the team? I, I did for the last two years because we had to be embedded due to COVID restrictions and stuff. Right. But uh, I usually travel on my own. I do my own uh, travel schedule and so on. And then uh, I see the team obviously trackside, but uh, I travel on my own now again. So um I can organize myself, um, you know, like hotels I want to stay in and so mm -hmm. on flights I want to take. So, right, uh, uh, it's kind of uh, yeah. I don't, I don't really need to travel with them. Right. And so, what kind of access do you have in the garage and the paddock? And you know, do you have a close relationship with Max and Sergio and Christian Horner and the whole team, or are you sort of a background guy? I'm more like uh, you know, in F1 is. Um, I, I kind of like uh, I'm I'm there longer than most of the mechanics, you know. Now, so <laughs> <laughs> that says a lot too, because those guys will be up all night repairing cars. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. The hours these guys do it's unbelievable. That's why the uh, first thing the drivers say when they crash is "Sorry, guys," because they already yeah. know the mechanics are gonna be up all night with no sleep fixing the car. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> crazy, yeah, absolutely crazy. I have so much respect for these guys. Yeah, but uh, no, you can't really have like a I think closer relationship with the drivers. You know, they kind of you know like keep distance from everybody, and right. I think it's it's also good for me uh, as a photographer because I always like to be in the background and you know just observe what's going on. Right, uh, and you know like with guys like Daniel Ricciardo when when he was with us and stuff. Mm -hmm. He was always like joking around and then he would walk into the garage and start doing, you know, things in my, in my lands and stuff like that. I didn't like that, you know, because I wanted right. really to keep distance, uh, and I just focus on, on, on my photography. And, uh, so uh, I kind of keep distance from everybody. Obviously, uh, they all know me. I know them and, um, we have a really professional relationship, but, uh, it's not like, uh, they are my mates, you know, or anything. So, right. Right. So, I mean, I read in one of your articles, I don't know if you wrote this or somebody was writing this about you, but you said you're not a sports photographer in the sense of you're doing a lot of the moments, right? How do you anticipate when a moment is coming? Like when a good moment is about to come? Is that just something that comes naturally? Do you build that yeah. skill over time? Because your photos are very much, it's, it's 
I would imagine relatively easy once you get the hang of it to take the picture of the car, but yours are, there's always a story behind it. Like the Sergio pool shot at Monaco is awesome. You know, there's so much more that you're shooting. How do you find those moments and how do you see them coming ahead of time? I don't, I don't, but you have to, um, I think, um, within the, uh, you know, with the years and with the experience, you learn how to use your, I was always using my intuition and instinct, uh, in a way. Mm. And I think as a photographer, you have to be prepared for the moment when it happens, you know? So, uh, you kind of, uh, try to predict what's going to happen within the next second or something and be ready for that. So, uh, but I, I always used my intuition and uh, never like I never liked like set up stuff, you know, set up pictures and so on. I, I don't right. think this is the style I I, uh, I would you know like follow or anything. But um, yeah, I like when it comes you know when all you know like when the composition, when the light and everything merges into one moment, and that's the moment right. where you have to take the picture, you know. Uh, right. Hand in hand with your technical skills, obviously as well. That's why photography is so exciting because it's all this that has to come together in one split of set, split of a second, to, right. to create a, a, an amazing image or amazing moment. Or the moments they happen within, you know, like split of a second. But you have to see them as a photographer. I think uh, normal uh, people who just pass by, uh, they don't see these moments. But you, as a photographer, you you have to see see, mm-hmm. see these kind of moments and try to transform that into your pictures. Yeah. That's so true with photographers. Like the photographers that are my friends are the only ones that'll text me and be like, yo, look outside. Do you see these clouds? Like, you know, like (laughs) look at the sunset right now. Are you, are you seeing this? Like they see the world in a, in a different way uh, for sure. Um, Going back though, I have a question about the beginning. You said, you know, you weren't into motorsports at all uh, and you kind of had to learn it. You weren't even really excited. It sounded like to jump into this, um, this career, this, this avenue with photography. Uh, what was the learning curve in terms of, you know, learning the sport and, you know, cause that's where I am. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a zero. Like I have really no clue in America. It's, it's not a popular thing too much. Yeah. Yet. Uh, I would say yes, sure. Um, but it's not, and I'm not even into NASCAR really, or any of that, to be honest, uh, motor, like you, you said, I'm not into motorsports. Um, so what was the learning curve and like, you know, you're in a new sport, a uh, very high pressure, I would imagine, sport and career change and opportunity. What's the learning curve of on a massive stage? It's not like a concert where everyone's like, you know, in a 90 yeah. foot stage, it's a massive arena. Like, where do I even stand? Where do I even start? So how, how did you, how'd you get your sea legs for this? Oh, it was a good fun for me because, uh, you know, uh, all the time up and up until uh, F1, I was shooting anything. You know, I was like, I was doing Olympic games. I was shooting hockey. I was shooting football, you know, like tennis, anything. You know, I've done three Wimbledons. Uh, mm. I was doing studio portraiture, you know, like, and, and I really, um, I really enjoyed shooting everything. And uh, suddenly they sent me to F1. 2005 Melbourne was my first race. And I got there. I had no clue, you know, like I had no clue. <laughs> Where am I allowed to go? Where am I allowed to stand? What can I do? What can I do? You know, like, and suddenly a new world in terms of photography opened in front of me because 
I realized I can go and find the pictures. You know, it's not like in a football stadium where you sit and you wait what is, what's going to happen in front of you. You know, you are quite mm-hmm. limited with movements and stuff. And uh, I just went out and, and found found the pictures and I came back and suddenly I realized uh, other photographers, you know, came back with different pictures. I was thinking like, oh, they didn't see that. You know, it's like a nice picture, you know, or something. And then... Uh, uh, it was kind of like a game for me. It was really like, I really enjoyed that because um, I was starting learning the sport, you know, like, and uh, the first two, three, four, five years, you are you are going to circuits which you, you've never seen. And then, you know, every day you learn the track and then you realize, you know, it happened to me many times that uh, come Sunday, I was, I realized, oh, shit, I could have done this shot, you know, in that corner, on that time of the day. Okay, I don't have time to do that now anymore because we have a race or we're leaving uh, um, tomorrow, but I'll do it next year, you know. So during the years, I was learning the tracks. I was learning the process. I was learning the rules, you know, how Formula One works. It's such a complex thing, Formula One, and every track is also different, you know. You have to... Uh, no, uh, uh, you know, in c- certain trucks mm-hmm. you can do this, in the other trucks you can't, you know, like mm-hmm. there's so much stuff you have to know. So that's why Formula One is quite specialized and quite complex as a topic for a photographer. And if you become specialized in, in, in it, uh, you can master it in a way. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, there's always two ways. You can uh, slide into this routine and do every year the same pictures or mm-hmm. you can master it and try to evolve, you know, every year. And uh, yeah. I've chosen the other the other way, and um, hopefully, I'm still learning. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you don't learn, and if you don't, if you lose kind of focus or, or interest in, in what you do, I think you're gonna slide into this routine. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I'm sure Seth is hearing this too, but there are so many parallels to wildlife photography. Um, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 and photography uh, as well. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I've said to Seth, like a, a good wildlife photographer needs at least three days in the same spot to yeah. know that an animal's even there. That's number yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Now go back and, and and try to wait it out for a good moment in a better spot. And then to even refine it better, when's the best light going to hit and when there's going to be the special moment. So like, yeah. like you're saying, like learning a track and, and day one's kind of like informational and maybe you get lucky. Day two, you have a better idea. The next year, you have a better idea. Um, there, there's so many parallels in terms of wildlife photography there too. So uh, that, that's It's funny you say that. It's funny you say that because I always used to say that as well, uh, that wildlife photography for me is like, I have so much respect for these guys. They, they are, you know, like they sometimes they spend a month for one picture, you know, mm-hmm. in one spot in, a, in the middle of the jungle somewhere, you know. So uh, you need patience. You need a lot of patience. You have to be ready, you know. You have to be, you have to have those technical skills. You're always on the verge of, you know, like the technical abilities of your camera and, and mm-hmm. lightning or, or, you know, everything. So there's a lot of parallels in, in with sports photography of Formula One. Yeah. Yeah. So where do you like to stand on lap one? Ah, That's a great know. question. For everyone who doesn't <laughs> know, lap one is often the most insane. The cars come right off the grid, full speed down a straight into turn one and Often there's accidents, which we don't like to see, but it's crazy. Everyone's trying to pass. It's pandemonium. So where do you, where do you position yourself on lap one, or is it different every time at different circuits? It's different every time, but most of the circuits obviously you go to turn one because it might be interesting. From many, not because, not only because of crashes, but 
Right. Uh, there might be some nice overtaking, you know, or something. Usually it's like an overtaking spot as well because there's a long start-finish straight, which is usually a DRS zone, so they mm-hmm. can over- overtake each other there. Uh, so I would say um, lap one, probably turn one, but not always. Not always. There's a lot of beautiful spots like in Hungary, let's say, where the last corner, you know, the opposite is is mm-hmm. a great, great start shot and so on. So, uh, yeah, What's but lap one track? is... Oh, uh, I get this question quite a lot. Yeah, uh, I, I don't uh, even have that in my notes, but I'm thinking <laughs> now. I think... Um, my favorite ones are actually these three ones now: Singapore, Japan, and probably Monaco. Monaco is amazing because mm. of the Monaco architecture is, and the the ocean. No, because of the distance you get to the cars. You have so close to the cars, you know, like anywhere else, and you can get so many uh, new pictures. And there's picture everywhere. You know, it's, it's right. just even if it keeps changing every year because they keep building new uh, buildings and now we, yeah. we've we've lost the sea view i think completely because there's a new new uh, 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 apartment house uh, they are just building it up there but right. then you get new pictures again you know so it's always evolving and it's quite exciting mm-hmm. in monaco always mm-hmm. for people who don't know monaco is a classic grand prix and they it's a a circuit that runs through the streets of Monaco with the ocean to the side and the yachts and the nice buildings. It's a beautiful race. Speaking of lap one and turn ones, I sent, um, I sent this to Aaron. I don't want to glorify crashes, but the Zhouguan yeah. U crash was crazy. And the photo you came away with is also crazy. In that moment, how did you find the composure to take the picture as opposed to run. <laughs> There's a car that's, you know, probably at that point coming at you at close to 200 kilometers, yeah. barreling to the catch fence. I mean, that's not a good situation you want to see. And, and you, click yeah. the, you click the shutter, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen like crashes before, obviously, and, and stuff. And you kind of... Um, you know, you kind of see that happening in front of you, but you always underestimate. Like, you know, when the car hit the fence in front of me, I was like, wow, fucking hell. You know, like, I didn't know that it, the car still had so much energy, you know, so you mm, underestimate right. everything. And uh, uh, I guess I was just following my instinct. Uh, I could have always, like, jumped on a side in the last moment, so I didn't, I wouldn't, like, risk my life for that shot or anything, but right. I I felt like I have it under control, you know, uh, uh, the whole situation. I was more pissed off of other colleagues who were, like, in front of the fence, there were, like, three photographers in front of the fence, which is illegal. Mm. And I had a go with one of them, like, afterwards. I said, what the, th- what the fuck were you doing there, you know, like, because if one of these guys get hurt or, or you know, not saying about killing somebody, we would be all, all screwed. You know, it would be so right. bad for the business. And and they just risk lives for one picture, which I can't understand. You know, it's just like uh, mm. stupid, you know. And these guys are not like Formula One specialized. So they come in for a couple of races and then, and then they go back and they shoot news or anything. But Oh, so, really? Uh, yeah, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I, I was so angry with them. And then this guy was shaking, basically. He said to me, oh, uh, they let me stand there. I was like, nobody can let you stand there. No, no, they mm. let me stand there. I was like, no. Then the FIA got involved. FIA is the uh, governing uh, mm-hmm. body of F, uh, F1. And they called me 
I was after the race, I was on my way to the airport already and they called me and were asking about the incident because they saw on CCTV that I was there behind the fence and they wanted to find out who was in front of the fence and so on. I, was, I said, well, I don't know the names, but these guys, these guys are really idiots, you know, like, um, so I think they punished them with, um, race bands. Uh, and wow, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, you can get a race band. It used to be like three race band, I think, if it was a like very, very mm. uh, big thing you did wrong or mm. uh, one race band for like stupid things, I think. So, uh, um, yeah, but this, you know, me as well, like uh, I was so happy that nobody got injured and nobody got yeah. hurt, you know. Not that was even, a violent crash. Yeah, not even the driver, but like the marshals, you know, standing mm-hmm. by, the photographers and everybody. And uh, we knew quite fast that uh, he's okay because the marshals uh, run uh, to the car and they were like within like 10, 15 seconds, they said, he's okay, he's okay. You know, like, so we right. knew he's, the driver is okay. But I think that on, on TV, they cut off the coverage like for 20 minutes and people didn't know. So, uh, yeah. And um, yeah, no, I mean, it's not, um, it's not great when you see something like that. If something would happen, something serious would happen to anybody, I, I don't think I would use these pictures, you know. Right, but, of uh, course. This was this picture was quite crazy. Uh, if you if you look at when you look at it, you know. Well, it highlighted the safety technology too of the halo apparatus. Which, it, it did, yeah. Which I did, yeah. which I like to see. Um, so speaking of you know high speeds, how do you zone in and focus on cars going so fast around corners? Is it just um, a skill that you learn over time? And maybe you can share what gear you have as well, and maybe what settings you like to shoot at frequently. Uh, it depends. You know, there's a lot of variety of settings and shooting uh, modes and stuff like that. Um, I usually tend to be very calm and very slow in a way. Mm-hmm. So I would, yeah. I would usually go trackside and just watch the cars first few laps. You know how yeah. because every every car takes a different uh, uh, racing line and every driver has a different approach in a way. And um, I would just op- you know observe the scene first have a look in, on the light. If I don't like it, I'll just move on and go somewhere else on, or so mm-hmm. on. And um, I like uh, do some panning shots as well. Panning is, uh, you know, the technique. The motion blur. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. where you just follow the motion of the car and try to get it sharp, you know. Um, or on the other, you know, like uh, the opposite, you know, like fast uh, shots of speed and, and just freeze everything. Depends really on the situation, but uh, I always use shot, uh, shoot manual. I don't use any mm. like um, automatic uh, modes on my camera or anything. Right. Because I, I like to have everything under control, you know, like to, yeah. uh, to uh, have the, the biggest influence I can have on the outcome, basically. Right. I read in one of your articles too, that's either you wrote or someone wrote about you that you like to spend roughly 70% of your time not shooting. So yeah, how do you, so a lot of people would feel, maybe this comes with experience. A lot of people would feel, oh my God, I'm missing shots. I need to be shooting the entire race. I can't miss a moment. How do you stay calm when other people might fear that they're missing out on shots? And what does slowing down in such a, arguably the world's fastest sport, what does slowing down do for your photography? I guess, I guess with the experience, you need the experience to be 
calm. You know, I did. I used to do so many mistakes, and I was always hoping I'm gonna learn from these mistakes. You know, like when I was analyzing my uh, uh, my mistakes, I was thinking like, oh, why did I did do? It? Why did I did this and didn't do that? You know, like mm-hmm. I have to I have to remember that the next time do the opposite. You know, and I fucked up big times. You know, I had uh, I missed pictures. You know, and from every missed picture, I was so angry that uh, mm-hmm. I tried to learn. You know, and uh, uh, at one point, I said to myself, "I'm gonna be always calm and always, you know, like uh, keep my head, you know, like focused and stuff." And I try try to do that, you know. It sometimes it's difficult when it's emotional and mm-hmm. and so on, uh, but you have to, yeah, because you, then you miss pictures. You and usually when I was shooting like crazy and looking through the viewfinder all the time, I, I missed pictures because I didn't see the pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't look up. You have to look up and 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 watch first. You know, observe what's going on. Where, you know, when is the point where, where the cars, you know, touch the gravel or something, or where the car, uh, you know, like is not so much under control of the driver that something can happen. Or, you know, like other, or other stuff, you can see cloud coming in or rain coming in, you know, closing in or something right. like that, you know, stuff like that. You have to be always aware and you have to always try to predict what's going to happen next. So, uh, and for that, I think you have to be um, in first place observer. You have to see what's going on around you and, and uh, then be, be ready for it as a photographer to capture it. Right. Now, does each team have a designated photographer? I think so. Yeah. Nowadays, they even have like uh, social media teams. Uh, you of know, course, yeah. They are like video guys, photographers, and so on. So I think every team has the uh, Rebel one's one. great. They just uh, Aaron. They just took uh, one of the cars to Monument Valley in the desert, and they're doing like practice sessions there and kicking up all the dust and stuff. Oh, they cool. doing show run in uh, there. I didn't know that. that yeah, must yeah. Have, must they always sick. make it seem like it's. Uh, Verstappen driving with the car next logo, and it's just not—it's not him, obviously. Um, but it's funny. Um, question: Who has the nicest car other than Red Bull? I think Ferrari always looks nice uh, in a way. Uh, I used to like Mercedes a lot in the last few years. This year, uh, I would say Ferrari is a little bit nicer uh, as a car. Do you ever shoot the other cars? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Uh, for my archive and stuff, yeah. But um, I liked last year, uh, not this year as as much. Uh, the Alpine looked nice on the truck as well, mm-hmm. with that blue, blue glossy uh, color. It was nice, yeah. So, is it safe to say that you're a fan of auto racing now? Like, do you like uh, to drive fast <laughs> as well? <laughs> you know, I I could never like if I, if they would put me in a cockpit, you know, in the F one cockpit, I would shit myself. I was like when you, <laughs> when you see the guys, you know, the position they are sitting in there, and what you know, they almost yeah. see nothing. You know, I would just and, and go three hundred fifty kilometers an hour down the straight in this. No, no, not yeah. for me. No, I don't think even like when I'm driving in a car, like at home. My wife is like, can we go faster? You know, <laughs> I'm not really a racing driver, I think. <laughs> uh, so, and I have a Defender as well, uh, like Land Rover Defender, which doesn't okay. go very fast. So. <laughs> Built for going through mud and through creeks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a funny story. So my dad is a, was an, uh, an auto racer, um, SRP2. Daytona 24-hour endurance racing. So where you have a team, right? And you um, try to complete as many laps as you can in 24 hours. So like motorsport's been a part of my life for a long time. Um, 
And I remember one day I said that, you know, I want to, I want to get into this sport. I was probably 10. I'm going to share this story with you because it's very important. And it it highlights the, how crazy drivers are and the kind of mentality they have. But anyways, I was 10 years old and I said, you know what? I want to be a, I want to be a race car driver like my dad. So my dad said, okay. And he took me to a karting track, right? Go-karts. Yeah. And the kids were probably 14, 15 and we're standing on a, on a hill on the embankment and it's a couple laps go by and these two kids are fighting for first place, right? And one kid makes a stupid, tries to make a stupid move and the wheels lock together. Yeah. So at the corner I'm standing at this kid's cart goes flying through the air, flips upside down and it lands straight on his head. Jesus. They red flagged a race. I'm 10 years old. This is the first race I've ever been to. I want to, at this yeah. point, I think that I want to be a, a, a driver. And he's just kind of motionless. He was fine for the sake of the story, but I'm sitting there crying. I'm tugging on my dad saying, I want to go. I don't watch. I don't want to watch this because I thought I just saw like a guy die, right? Right in yeah. front of me. And uh, he made me sit there and watch. He made me sit there and watch because, and he told me a few years later, he said, if that didn't bother you, you were made for the sport. Like if you accepted that there's a risk every time you get in a car like that and you're competitively racing and that's just part of the sport and that driver made a mistake and that's what happens and you were cool with that, I would have been fine with you driving cars and racing them. And I was not, I did not pass the test. (laughs) So, but it just like maybe you, I don't know how much insight you have into this, but in just, just like the mind of the drivers, like they're a different breed. Would you agree? Yeah, no, they are special, special human beings. I think you know it's just, especially watching like somebody like Max. You know, is uh, I mean, when I realized how uh, how old he is, you know, like when I watch mm-hmm. him in the garage, he just walks in and before qualifying or race, like all the drivers we used to have, like Seb, you know, four times world champion, uh, Daniel Ricciardo, you know, uh, seven times winner, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all kind of focused, you know, headphones on on Saturday qualifying or race, you know. And Max just walks in, doesn't give a shit, you know. Like he's just, you know, like he would share a few jokes with the drivers, uh, with the mechanics, mm-hmm. get in the car, bank, you know, pole position or something. He's so mentally strong; it's unbelievable. It's um, for me as well, you know. I couldn't, I don't know if I could hand, handle all this, you know, like in the pressure. In that manner uh, 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 as the drivers do. Uh, so, uh, right. But I think it that makes the difference between the champions and the the the, the championship drivers. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, they just don't 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 crack. You know, under these kind of situations. So, uh, yeah, it's very very interesting. The drivers are definitely special human beings. I think. Yeah. Speaking of cracking under pressure, last season was a nail biter. Um, for people who don't know, it came down to the, literally the last lap of the final Grand Prix and Red Bull took it home. I was watching it and I was screaming at my TV, go, 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 go (laughs) for the pass. And he made it. Can you run us through sort of that weekend and just the emotions and, and how it felt and maybe tell people what happened more in detail? You know, unbelievable, unbelievable. Because uh, we've had, you know, I've 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 done, I've had uh, four 
championships with uh, Seb back in the days. Uh, so we've we've been there, you know, we've been champions and also. Uh, uh, but um, what happened in Abu Dhabi last year was just amazing. Like for me, probably the most uh, intense and emotional moment of my career in F1. Because as you said, it came all, everything came all, uh, you know, down to the last lap. Yep. Two and, drivers uh, tied for points. One last lap. Yeah. it takes it all. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, um, you know, there was, there was a lot of backlash from Mercedes fans and from the Mercedes team. But uh, at the end of the day, I think uh, Max deserved, you know, the championship and, and the team deserved it because they did the right calls. You know, they, they went for fresh tires and so on. They risk as well a lot and it will, yeah, it paid off. So, uh, and it was not uh, unbelievable. Like uh, we were wearing these face masks still, you know, so I was, I was oh, right. happy. I was happy we were wearing these uh, face masks because I was like, you know, shouting like underneath the mask, like, when uh, uh, Max got out of his car and then he was running to the mechanics, I was like, you know, it was, I saw like guys 50 years old crying, you know, 50 years old guys crying, you know, like in the garage and stuff like that. So very emotional moment after so many years, Mercedes winning everything, you know, um, uh, uh, we claimed the, the driver's championship and uh, one of the most, uh, yeah, I, I will never forget this moment. So are you having to focus on getting photographs in that moment while being super Trying emotional at the same time? Like, how do you work through that, right? Like <laughs> Most no, people, exactly, they win a championship and they just get to celebrate and party, but you still have a job to do, my man. This is exactly the moment where I uh, said to myself in the past, I have to remain calm, I, but I didn't right. in Abu Dhabi as much. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, still obviously, yeah, shooting. Yeah, I mean... Uh, there's a history being made in front of you. So you have to be, you are a photographer, you have to capture everything. And um, at the same time, you have, you want to celebrate with these guys who travel uh, around mm-hmm. the world, you know, for the whole year and uh, see them working so hard. And then at the end, you know, like they were, they were all so excited. It was just amazing. Like I was inside the garage during the last lap and it was just unbelievable. The energy in the garage. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Even when I remember that now, I get goosebumps, you know, so... Mm-hmm. It's uh, funny how sports do that, right? It brings everyone together and creates yeah. such a high. Yeah, and you know, uh, Max is, is a guy that doesn't show that easily uh, any kind of emotions. And when he got out of the car and he just kneeled down by the tire, you know, I was like, ah, man. Yeah. Don't do can that we, to me, Can man. we use <laughs> that photo for the, uh, for the episode? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, that yeah. is, I meant to ask yeah. you, that is a great photo. Um, yeah. People, I was like, if they're listening really, on Apple Podcasts, they they won't be able to see it, but they'll be able to go to your profile and, and see it. It's yeah, you Max know what? The, down in front of the tire, it's an awesome shot. The story of this photo was like we were like four, five guys allowed to be, you know, like on the grid, uh, yep. close to the car. Everybody else was behind the pit wall, so very far away from that scene, and then. Uh, I see him, obviously I got the pictures of him getting out of the car, standing on, on the car, you know, celebrating. And then he goes around the car and I see him kneeling down. And that's the moment where you as a photographer have to decide within like a split of a second, what you're going to do, you know, like, mm-hmm. are you going to capture it from here and get a nice, nice, safe shot? Or are you going to risk everything and run around 
you know, mm-hmm. and, and and he's gonna stand up within t- these two seconds and just leave, and you're gonna miss everything, you know. So right. I I had to decide, and I kind of moved sideways and took one picture, and then I saw him still kneeling down, and I was like, "Fuck it," you know, I'm gonna go for it. And then I mm-hmm. ran around the car and just put my camera on the ground and took his picture. Yeah, it was um, really nice moment. Yeah. Yeah, and like some of the shots, like just from the the hours after, like you're so focused on getting more than just the car. I mean, there's one with Max and his dad in black and white, and even just the yeah. choice to go black and white. You know what I mean? Like you have a shot of the pandemonium in the in the garage. I think your profile is a good example for anyone in any genre of photography to look for the story. You know what I mean? Yeah, Look for yeah, the story because yeah. anyone who like develops like a decent level of skill can shoot the car. Is that fair yeah. to say? But it's looking deeper. No, for me, photography is about completely uh, something else. For me, photography is um, about emotions. You know, photography is like it's about to you know um, to try and stop the observer, you know, the, the somebody who's looking at pictures, make him stop and go mm-hmm. back to that picture and look at it again, you know, because there's something that caught his eye, you know, like uh, that. that's what's photography about. And it's, it's emotions. It's purely about emotions, photography, I think. And it's also um, you as a photographer, you, I think you transform kind of your inner self into your pictures, you know, so what you see, what you feel, we, we can be like 10 guys in a row standing next to each other. We will, ha- we will end up with 10 different pictures, you know, mm-hmm, everybody, because mm-hmm. everybody's a different. That's what's amazing about photography. It's, it's such a subjective uh, uh, topic, you know, it's such a subjective thing. So uh, you basically, I think, transfer what you feel as a human being. You transfer into your, you know, hand in hand with your technical skills, you transfer into your photography, into your pictures. And, uh, hopefully that will uh, make impact on the, on the observer, you know, uh, on, on, mm-hmm. on the guy who's looking at the picture in 20, 30 years time. And hopefully there's still going to be something that will uh, catch his eye. That's what I'm mm-hmm. hoping for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, just looking through your profile, there's always, or a lot of the time there's a, a question mark where you stop like you're saying and you're like, what what's going on here? Whether it's half a car is shown or it's through a bush or the bush is in focus and the, yeah. the car's blurred out. There's 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 a pause moment where you go like, like let me figure this out. And then you go like, oh, cool. Like you, you like kind of get it, right? Like I think that pause and then understanding and then fit, making it mean whatever it means to the viewer uh, is like a nice moment versus, you know, there's a car right there yeah, right, yeah. on a road. Um, and also your your photography reminds me of, we had a, a concert photographer uh, on the show uh, and he explained the exact situation that you just explained where everyone else was in the pit for this last moment, the, the encore and his intuition or his thought was like, I could play it safe and I don't want to miss the shot that everyone else is getting, but I'm going to stay backstage and get the one angle that no one else is going to get. And I could screw myself here, but I also could get a shot that no one else has that tells a different story. And, uh, just kind of, I think having that, that courage in a sense or, or bravery to uh, take those chances probably pays off more often than not. And uh, when it does pay off, it probably pays off big. And and maybe it's worth like the, sometimes the missed opportunities for the, the shot that 90 other people got. 
you know? So I think that's, it's just such a interesting comparison to some of the photography that, that I'm into and, and just the, um, the process behind it and the, and the mindset. No, so, you definitely, uh, you definitely need balls. You have to, you know, be willing to uh, risk in, uh, many times. Many times I came back with nothing, obviously, you know, because you were risking different position to, to, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, a safe position or, or a safe shot. And sometimes it works out, sometimes not. But uh, I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate in a way as well with Red Bull that uh, Red Bull gives me that kind of freedom, that, that creativity, and that they kind of expect that from me, you know, to bring something mm-hmm. different. I've never had like a brief from Red Bull, like come to races mm-hmm. and shoot this, 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 and this. What they all, what they do is uh, just, you know, invite me to races and they say, do what you, what you, what you do. And we, we, we're going to take your pictures on Sunday evening, you know? So, uh, uh, I'm very, very fortunate. And this relationship is quite a uh, kind of special, uh, uh, you know, for me. So, um, uh, but it's all just thanks to the team that, you know, like we build up this relationship throughout the years and that I have this creative freedom and everything. Otherwise I, I couldn't evolve as a photographer as well, I think in that yeah. sense. Absolutely. Um, can you run us through what you, you know, your typical routine on race weekend? So for people don't, who don't know, Friday is the practice sessions. Saturday is qualifying to see where you finish um, to start the race. And then obviously Sunday is the Grand Prix. How do you approach each day? So uh, it all travel. It all starts with my travel to the track. Really, for European races, I usually travel Thursday morning if I if if I can, um, or Wednesday evening. With the overseas and long haul flights, it's it's a little bit different. Uh, we travel usually like if it, if we go uh, east, like Asia, Asian Games and stuff, Asian um, races. Uh, I usually travel like on Tuesday or even Monday already. And if we go to America or Canada or, or uh, you know, we travel on Wednesday. Um, then Thursday, obviously, setup day, uh, press conference, uh, any kind of, you know, uh, photo requests you have. Usually we do it on Thursday already because the drivers are cool and, and uh, not Who so makes stressed. the requests, the photo requests? There might be like requests from team sponsors, you know, mm. or uh, or other kind of stuff. Uh, I usually don't do these kind of things, but when a team sponsor comes to me and says, "Vlad, we, we'd like to you to do this shot," you know, like uh, we usually do that on Thursday. Mm. Um, then Friday is, as you said, practice two practice sessions. Yep. Uh, Saturday, one practice session and the qualifying and Sunday is the race, which is the longest day. Usually we, I get to the truck like six hours before the race. Uh, sometimes maybe even earlier. And then I, I leave maybe five hours after the race. So it's like easily 12, 14 hours day for me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And, um, technical question. There's listeners who like to dive into technical stuff. What uh, I know because I've seen the video, but what's in your kit? So I shoot with Canon for 25 years now, I think. Uh, I have the, um, I'm using the new R3 camera and I still have also a Mark 3DX camera, like a mm-hmm. DSLR. Uh, but I'm in the process now switching to mirrorless everything. So uh, I have um, 
three RF lenses, which is the 400 lens, 85 millimeter and 50 millimeter lens lenses. And then I have a whole range of, you know, like these EF lenses starting from 24, uh, 50, uh, 100 millimeters macro, uh, 135, 200, uh, that's it. Yeah. And then I have a bunch of like old FD lenses as well. I love to use like from the seventies and eighties. And, um, I use sometimes, uh, also cine lenses. They use mm. for, uh, filming for movies and stuff because I just love to use these lenses. Uh, the handling is great. And, you know, for garage stuff, it, it's just, it's just beautiful to use, um, these lenses. And, yeah, so I have a, like a whole range of lenses, but I don't bring any, everything from uh, with me trackside. Uh, I have a case that travels with the team for the whole season, and that's about thirty kilos. The red always. case is that a Pelican case? What kind of case is that? Yeah, I got a new one now. I got a you I did. I got a, that video yeah, I got a green one, which is slightly bigger. But uh, <laughs> what kind of case is it? Is it is it called Pelican or is it something? No, else? no, no. It's Nanook. It's called Nanook. I oh, think okay. I think they are, are they Canadian? I think they are Canadian company. Yeah, Nanook is in Nunavut, so I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I think they do Canadians stuff making great stuff. Yeah, they, yeah, uh, they do. Yeah, it's Canadian. Think, uh, yeah, they do They do stuff for Canadian Army. Pretty well, affordable too. Yeah, why most mm. expensive? <laughs> oh, maybe I'm looking at something different. <laughs> Depends what you, you know. Yeah, like, there's, lots uh, of, there's lots of different cases, so. Yeah. yeah. But mine was quite expensive. I mean, the Pelly case wasn't that expensive. This was much more expensive, but it's slightly bigger and it's great. It's a, it was a game changer for me to get a new case, really. Yeah, but this is the case that travels with the team for the whole season, which is a great mm-hmm. help for me, you know, like it's 30 kilos that goes with the team, so I don't need right. to carry that oh, with me on great. the plane. Yeah. And, have they ever um, lost your gear? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> but you know what? I have a colleague of mine. He works, he works for Mercedes. And he had a lens on in the cargo with the team as well. And then he got they got to a race, and they, he was like, "Guys, where's my lens?" And they were like, "Oh, it's probably still in the in the cargo or something." Like you know, in the they didn't take it out or something. And he was like, "Well, I need it. Well, we can't we can't get that. It's on the truck now. You know, like you, you should have come earlier." So he was he didn't have his lens for the whole weekend. You know, oh. it's funny. No, that never happened with uh, with uh, with Red Bull. Yeah, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, no, a great, great help for, from the team that they carry this for me. Awesome. How is Sebastian Vettel? Is he as nice as everybody says? Yeah, Seb is great. Is yeah. he? Yeah, very I haven't seen anybody say a single bad thing about him ever. Very intelligent, great fun, great sense of humor. Um, very English kind of humor. He's German, but his, his sense of humor is, is so good. Uh, it's very English, actually. Um uh, very intelligent now obviously into his uh, environmental uh, thing uh, you know protecting the environment and stuff like that i like I, I i like to see that you know that they use these guys use their platforms to uh, point mm-hmm. out issues you know like uh, as Lewis does as well so uh, right. I, I think it's great yeah right aaron you might find this interesting uh, sebastian vettel he used to be with red bull four time world champion he never had social media until this year he got it to announce his retirement yeah mm. so he went his whole career without it without any noise without any distraction just i'm here to race which i thought was really cool yeah very cool yeah i agree yeah right um if you couldn't shoot f1 what would be your other sport of choice like what's your other 
favorite sport to shoot. And uh, you was, said you shot a couple Wimbledons, which I want to hear about. You shot Federer, who's you know recently in, yeah. announced his retirement as well. So what was it like shooting Federer? And then you can answer your second favorite sport, or maybe you do. Maybe <laughs> maybe F one isn't your favorite sport, and you just do it. Maybe you <laughs> secretly love hockey or tennis or something. I love hockey, and I like I I, I used to you know like I learned. Uh, with hockey, you know, to, to sports photography, basically I started with hockey, you know, so, mm. but back in the days in, in Prague, uh, we were, it was great because we didn't have a plexiglass in front of us, you know, like the, the photographers, there was always oh, right. a spot in every stadium, but there was a gap yeah. and we were just shooting like, you know, like, like this. So now I think mm. uh, NHL, I guess uh, you shoot only through the, through the glass, don't you? Yeah. There's a hole that slides uh, in and out. Dave yeah. Sanford, who we, who we are good friends with, he shoots the NHL playoffs and, he yeah, has, like he sets up cameras in the net too, and things yeah, like yeah. that, and it's very similar to what you do, and just a different, yeah, different medium, you know. Yeah, we were just like you know, it was crazy when you look at it. Uh, you know, when you think about it, twenty five years ago, there was always like next to, next to the benches there was a spot, but there was no plexiglass, and that was the photographer's spot. And then the most dangerous thing was actually the sticks. You know, when they were fighting <laughs> each other, and the sticks coming out, you know, like this and that. So that was the only dangerous thing, but yeah. get a puck, like uh, get hit by a puck or something, never, never happened. So uh, yeah, I, I like, I love, I love hockey. Yeah. I love uh, basketball. I was shooting a lot of indoor sports in the beginning as well, basketball, mm. volleyball, all this kind of stuff. And um, I think, I guess, uh, I don't know if I would be shooting sports really. I love tennis, as you said. I always yeah. said like. Tennis is great because when it rains, they, they, just, they just stop playing, you know, so you can go for a coffee or something. But, uh, you know, I was always like tempted also like with um, not wars, but uh, kind of reportage photography and uh, like photojournalism, foreign affairs. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but but uh, my parents would probably, my mom would, uh, they wouldn't, you know, this Scared wouldn't go down. Yeah, it wouldn't go down well. I, I remember I wanted to go to Egypt when there was this um, spring revolution going on, mm-hmm. uh, I think 12 years ago or something. I was even checking for flights and stuff, and my mom was like, just don't even think about it, you know, like. <laughs> but right. I think it, it's just, uh, you know, I, th- I just love watching pictures from, you know, James James Natchway and stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I, w- I would be quite good in it, but uh, again, you know, like you are risking a lot, yeah. So uh, yeah, so I'll go uh, stand by a, a track where a car is slinging through at two hundred <laughs> yeah. miles an hour. That's much safer, <laughs> much easier. Yeah, you know what? Even in F one, there's the, like uh, rockets flying over there, like drones shooting rockets over oh, our yeah, heads. Yeah. You know, like like in Saudi last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In, in Saudi Arabia, there was. A missile strike like within miles of the track because of the war yeah, in Yemen. I was on a building. We were shooting like these GVs, and then I went down and I get out of the building and I see this black cloud, and I'm like, "Yeah, what the hell is that?" You know, and the the guy, like the local guy, goes like, "Oh, Saudi is a very safe country." I was like, like without even me asking anything. Oh, Saudi is a very safe country. I was like, "But this doesn't look like a like a like a fire or yeah. something," you know. Yeah. <laughs> A missile yeah, strike so. on like an oil depot or something. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, they almost canceled the race. It's very yeah. safe. We don't ask about it. <laughs> <laughs> no more questions. I didn't ask any questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what was it like? What's it like? So you shot Federer a bunch of times, right? And you got to watch him play up close. Is this true? 
Yeah, yeah, I love tennis. I, I've done three Wimbledon's. Wimbledon up until up until Formula One was my favorite uh, events to shoot, really. So, I mean, my question here is, what's it like, you know, shooting someone like Federer? Maybe it's not obvious at the time, but what's it like shooting people who are the greatest in their sport at that moment? Do you sort of get starstruck, or no, is it just I'm another a- day? You know. No, I never got it. I, even when I got in, into Formula One, I saw Michael Schumacher suddenly walking through and this and that. I never got this starstruck, you know, which was mm-hmm. in a way good because you keep your, you know, focus and uh, distance to the topic as well, I think. But uh, shooting, yeah, tennis tennis is one of my favorite sports. Federer was always great to shoot because he his moves are so elegant you know when you so shoot smooth. him when you mm-hmm. yeah when you watch him like you know some some tennis players are not so good for pictures but his moves on the court were always so elegant and so nice you know like um he would be probably my favorite tennis player to shoot i would say mm. yeah really I yeah federer so, yeah. federer would be ready for his backhand like two days before the ball got there like it yeah. was just and looking he, great too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Versus funny the, because man. it's funny because uh, when I moved to Germany, like my one of my first events they sent me to was like ATP Masters in Hamburg uh, tennis tournament, and Federer was there, um, and I was sending pictures in. This is this was basically the start of digital photography, like. And we were starting sending pictures, uh, transmitting pictures to uh, to the office. And um, I got a phone call from my boss uh, one afternoon, and he goes, "Like, can you please tell me why you're sending so many pictures of a of a widely unknown uh, Swiss player like Roger Federer?" Because he, you know, like I was like, "Yeah, he's quite good for pictures. That's why." And he goes, "Like, well, nobody knows him, you know. Like, so uh, focus on the other guys." I was like, "Yeah, okay, cool." <laughs> and then he he won the tournament. It was the, one of his first big, you know, ATP wow. wins. And then he mm-hmm. went on, you know, like the rest is, is history now. So, uh, yeah, very cool. It was quite funny. That is very cool, Vlad. What's your opinion on this? And you can feel free to not answer, but what do you think of the new Netflix sensation show, Drive to Survive? Have you watched it? Is it bogus? Are you allowed to comment? What do you think? <laughs> I liked it. You know, like first season was amazing. Uh, I think uh, the second and third, is it third seasons now, I think? Three seasons? Four. Four already. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of stuff that's been dramatized a little bit. Uh, I'm nodding my head for people who can't see. For the sake of, you know, uh, the interest and, the, you know, people to watch it. Uh, but um, there's a lot of interesting stuff as well. You know, a lot of for stuff sure. behind the scenes you don't see or, you know, what's going on in other teams and stuff. So from that point of view, it's quite interesting. But uh, I don't always agree with what they, you know, show or uh, how they edit stuff, you know. Right. So, uh, but I think it's great. I think it's great for um, for F1's uh, fan base in the US. I think uh, with Netflix, uh, with the Drive Drive to Survive series, uh, Formula mm-hmm. One became very popular in, in the US as well, which is yeah. obviously a, a huge market for us. And... Uh, yeah, I think it's great. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, uh, I can't, I still can't get my head around how do they edit all this stuff because I see these guys, you know, they are filming so much stuff every race with every team and how, you know, the editors must be geniuses. Does Netflix <laughs> ever get in the way? Like, does their crew ever get in the way? 
Sometimes, yeah, but they are part of it now. You know, so you kind yeah. of respect them. Yeah, uh, it's the same with the uh, camera camera guys, uh, F one camera right. guys. So they are part of it, and uh, I, we we all know each other, so we kind of respect each other. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, you have to, uh, uh, you know, sometimes they give you a, a space to to work because they know that you work work for the team, and then you know right. uh, the other the other way around. So uh, yeah, it's kind of um, mutual respect, I think, by now. Yeah. Right. I know it's funny. So uh, my girlfriend is an F1 fan now because of Drive to Survive. It's got is just she? the right it's got just the right amount of drama and now she knows all the drivers. We watch the races on Sundays. We'll get up for qualifying and watch it together. It's awesome. <laughs> it's <she>? awesome. <laughs> yeah, and the drivers they're not they're not the worst looking dudes either, which probably helps. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah, um is there any unspoken rules? Around the course with the photo- around the tra- uh, the the tracks with the photographers, like things you should should not do, um, just some sort of etiquette. Uh, there's rules which are quite clear, uh, you know, done by the FIA, like safety rules we have to all right. follow, and unspoken rules. Yeah, I think so. You know, there's um, you usually leave like uh, the the team photographer usually give him more space. You know, when there is a when, I, I don't know when Mercedes wins, uh, and right. the Mercedes team photographer needs to do a shot. You usually give him space and stuff like that. You don't push too much, you know. Uh, you haven't had to uh, give him too much space this year. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I had to get a zinger in it at, <laughs> at Mercedes. Sorry, I'm not sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, there is definitely. Uh, I can't just think of any now at the moment there's a lot of you know depending also on the track and stuff uh, there's there's, you know in Formula 1 there's a lot of grey zones and stuff grey zones really but Mm -hmm. because if Formula 1 is not tennis you know there's no one line you have to you know like if you cross the line that's foul you know or out or something in F1 every track is different every you know so we are more fluid in this sense but the safety rules are quite clear yeah we we Mm -hmm. We have to follow these, yeah. But um, yeah, I think it's a mutual. It's most more uh, about the mutual respect we have between each other. If we do like you know the guys who do all the races, uh, they all know each other. So um, uh, there's 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 a lot of mutual respect, I think, because everybody's trying to do his best job, you know, and everybody's trying to do the best pictures. So uh, we all right. have to kind of work together. So right. Have you ever photographed golf at all? Because I can see I it did, being yeah. similar in a way, like a big landscape, uh, knowing where the groups are, where the players that we need to focus are, and a lot of distance between, and like looking for these moments that are golf's weird. Like it's almost about the yeah. the non moments, you know, in a way. So I have I have shot golf like once or twice in Germany. I remember, uh, you know, with the DSLRs that, that were sold out. You know, like the, the mirror yeah, yeah. going up and down. <laughs> I remember I forgot once, and I was shooting before he hit the ball, uh, the player, and he was just having a, such a go with me. You know, like oh, shut. <laughs> <laughs> you know, switch the fuck, switch the camera, fuck off, or something. He said, he said to me, I was like, oh, sorry, you know, like. But it's it's uh, yeah, golf is nice for pictures as well. I liked it. Yeah, it's pretty, for sure. Yeah. Vlad, which country has the best coffee? Best coffee? Um, yeah, that's a good question because I love coffee. It's not Canada, I'll tell you that. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> no, really. No. Timmy Hortons. Tim Hortons. That's it. <laughs> no, that's not good. Yeah, no, it's not great. I think I I had that this year once. I and think, then but. In, his face is grimacing. So <laughs> Canada makes great uh, camera uh, carrying cases with Nanook apparently, but not so yeah. great coffee. <laughs> yeah, Nanook is great, but uh, no. Um, I think Italy. Italy has always mm. great espresso. I like. Espresso. I was going to say Italy because I we've been getting a lot of ground beans from Italy. So yeah. Italy, yeah. even like anywhere you get a coffee is, is good, you know, for some reason. They know mm. how to, how to brew it. They know the, the right temperature. It, it doesn't, it can't be too hot and, uh, or too cold, you know, it just to be the exact <laughs> temperature. And Italy, they know how to do it, you know, as yeah. a lot of other stuff like <laughs> food and stuff. Uh, Italy yes. is great. Yeah. I was in Spain but, for a wedding. And uh, there was some Italians there and we were just talking and I said, the coffee in Spain is so good. And they looked at me and they went, Bleh. <laughs> yeah, I guess Italians may be coffee snobs. I don't know. I don't but know. Spanish, you know, Spanish uh, Cortado, if you have, it's, it's nice. Mm. It's really good. Mm-hmm. It's different to the Italian coffee, but yeah, I like it as well. All yeah. right. What do you got planned for the rest of the day before we let you go? Do you get to sightsee so, and shoots like, you know, things that you uh, outside of track? and Yeah, a little bit. I think it's a little bit um, moody today. Yesterday was a nice day. It's a bit cloudy, uh, but um, I have to do, I'm going to do a little bit of a work. I have to do some emails and stuff. And then I'm going to hit out here yeah, because I love Tokyo. We haven't been here for three, three years now. So it's great mm-hmm. to be back. And uh, Tokyo is just such an, an amazing place, you know, so uh, I'm just going to stroll into the streets. It's funny because F1 is such a big family. I was, I was like in the middle of the Tokyo yesterday, just streaming, you know, like strolling through the, um, Mm-hmm. through the shops and suddenly uh, Stefano Domenicali walks into a boutique where I was, you know, like trying to find probably presents for his family or something. And then <laughs> you bump into Red Bull guys, you know, f- a few streets down and, you know, so F1 people are everywhere, so you can't hide from them. Right. Uh, really. But the, no, it's a great place to hang around. So yeah, I'm going to go um, downtown, I think later on and awesome. have a look. Awesome. Well, we're hoping for a Red Bull win this weekend. Max Verstappen yeah. championship clinch. Hopefully, Aaron's gonna better start watching it. I've been pressuring yeah. him. I said, "You got to watch this. It's fun. Like watch one or to, two races." Aaron, <laughs> yeah. we have to bring you. We have to bring you trackside. It's gonna be you know okay. like 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 you're gonna bring me, Aaron gonna... trackside. The guy who doesn't <laughs> even know. He's not the guy who's been watching it since he was five years old. You're gonna bring Aaron. He yeah, needs to get the back. He needs to get the back. They got to get America going. So yeah. you need to get. If you're the, bringing you him. To... I'll be attached to his leg. <laughs> you need to get the buck, mate. That was when I when I was first time I was in Melbourne, and suddenly they they kicked on the the engine in front of me, and the whole uh, floor was shaking, you know, and the smell oh. of the petrol and the tires. You need you need yeah, to yeah. feel that, okay. and then you get the All buck. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you you tell me which circuit, and I will be on a plane there. Say tell Red Bull <laughs> that you need an assistant for this weekend, and I will be there, sir. <laughs> I got the gear. Cool, <laughs> cool uh, great. But no, Vlad, thanks so much for joining us. First, uh, well, I guess second photographer uh, that shoots sports on the show, but you shoot so much more than sports. You shoot moments, you shoot stories. Um, and we're really thankful for you to uh, to be joining us from Tokyo. And uh, we hope for a good weekend for you in Red Bull Racing. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>